Hello again. Thanks for joining me. This is Astronomy Daily, daily look at astronomy and space science news. My name is Andrew Dunkley, your host. Hope you had a good weekend. I know Haley was very excited last time we spoke because she was off to play a little bit of golf for the first time. Um, Haley, hi. How did you go? Hi, Andrew. Sorry, I don't want to talk about golf. Oh, that bad, huh? Come on. We all want to know. No one's going to laugh at you. I'm sure you're not interested in my first sojourn into the sport you love so much. It was my first time after all. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. You know, it's a hard game. It's really difficult. I remember my first time. It, it wasn't pretty. Come on, just give us your score. Okay, you asked. I shot a five underscore of 67. Frankly, I was a little disappointed that I missed two eagle putts. Augusta National is really hard. I have no comment. I have nothing. It must be easier playing the Xbox version of Augusta. That's all I can say. The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley. It's, it's time we got down to business, Haley. <laughs> no, well played, by the way. Good job. Let's let's get into the headlines, huh? Sure. An asteroid has, for the first time, been named after an enterprise which engages in public education. The asteroid has been officially named 2943 Xingjia 1997 MV by the International Astronomical Union. The ceremony took place on September 8 and was designed to recognize the Grandview Group's contribution to citizen science and to encourage the future development of research in astronomy in the Guangdong, Hong Kong and Macau regions. Grandview Mall is celebrating its 25th anniversary and, in that time, has been committed to the integration of culture creativity and dreams into different formats for the entertainment of the public. Xingjia is the phonetic spelling of Grandview Museum in the local language. Still on asteroids, NASA's double asteroid redirection test, DART, mission is getting closer to a rendezvous with the double asteroid Didymos. It arrives on September 26, and that's when DART will collide with Dimorphos, a 160-meter, 525-foot, moonlet that orbits the main body of the asteroid. DART is now within visual range of the asteroid and will crash into its moon on September 26. It's hoped that the experiment will effectively alter the moonlet's orbit slightly, which should prove that, should any large rock ever threaten Earth, we can use a similar approach to knock it off its impact vector. The European Space Agency is planning to follow up the DART mission with the launch of the Hera spacecraft in September next year. Its role will be to look at the results of the impact experiment. Hera should rendezvous with Dimorphos in December 2026. The James Webb Space Telescope is revealing previously unseeable things in the cosmos. It recently revealed thousands of massive, never-seen-before stars in the Tarantula Nebula 161,000 light-years away, a giant region of swirling gas and dust where some of the hottest known stars are forming. Unlike star-forming regions in our Milky Way galaxy, this region is making stars at an incredible rate similar to the early nebulas that existed when the universe much younger. The telescope is stationed one million miles away from Earth and is expected to reveal a myriad of new insights about the universe. Its capacity to collect light like nothing that's come before it is the secret to its success. A new deal has been signed between Sierra Space and the U.S. military. The deal will see U.S. Transportation Command develop concepts for using Dream Chaser spaceplanes and shooting star cargo modules for fast global delivery of Department of Defense Logistics and Personnel. The first of the Dream Chaser plans is currently under construction in Louisville, Colorado, and projected to launch in 2023. 
It will then begin flying a series of NASA cargo resupply missions to the International Space Station. Sierra Space will join a list of other civilian enterprises working with the U.S. military, including SpaceX, Blue Origin, and Rocket Lab. And that's the latest, Andrew. Okay, thank you, Haley. Now let's take a look at some of the other news happening at the moment in astronomy and space science. And we've talked before about the Chicxulub crater and the asteroid that uh, was the beginning of the end of the dinosaurs. And more recently, Fred Watson and I on Space Nuts have talked about the possibility that a second asteroid impact uh, may have also been a factor in finishing off the, uh, the the era of the dinosaurs. Well, now a team of scientists have been studying four craters in other parts of the world. These are impact craters from asteroids in Estonia, Poland and Canada. And they, they were all created thousands of years apart. And what they've found in these areas is the charred remains of microorganisms. Now, initially, the team thought these remains, the burnt-out remains of these microscopic creatures, were caused by forest fires. But it didn't add up. It looked kind of wrong. The charcoal was was tangled in a very unusual way, which didn't sort of glean with a wildfire or anything like that. So they decided to look at charcoal from a multitude of craters and it started sort of falling into place. They came up with a hypothesis that these creatures were cataclysmically affected by asteroid impact and the, and the heat of, of such an impact. And what, what they investigated and analysed in this charcoal was a mixture of material ejected from the crater compared to what would be found in, a, um, in, in the remnants of a, a wildfire in the charcoal. And what they found was intriguing because it was the same in each of the impact points, even though they were thousands of kilometres apart. The organisms that were killed by the impact were, to quote the lead author Anna Losiak of the Institute of Geological Sciences at the Polish Academy of Science, the organisms were killed, grilled and buried by the asteroid in each individual impact. And it, it kind of gives you a bit of insight into uh, the destructive power of an Im asteroid impact and, and what may well happen to the likes of us if we ever get struck by one of these giant pieces of rock. And I harp back to the DART mission, which we've spoken about already today, and let's hope that's very, very successful. Now to politics, I suppose. The United States is going to introduce a resolution at the United Nations General Assembly this month. What they're calling for is the end to direct ascent anti-satellite testing or ASAT testing. Now, Vice President Kamala Harris said the, the idea was to get more countries to join a moratorium on these kinds of tests. Uh, the United States announced this in April. Several nations have certainly suggested they're interested in the idea of halting this kind of testing because of the debris it produces in orbit. However, only Canada and New Zealand have formally announced that they intend to join the moratorium. No one else has put their hand up. Now, this announcement of a ban on direct ascent ASET testing 
uh, has come just before the second meeting of the UN's open-ended working group on normal behaviour for reducing space threats. Now, that's scheduled for this week in Geneva. The US is working in close partnership with its allies and other like-minded nations. They see this working group as an important opportunity for all countries to uh, change the rules and the and the norms and, and you know, the basic principles of responsible behaviour in outer space. Why am I feeling like uh, Russia and China might just ignore this or at least balk at it? The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley. Here's another fascinating story. Back in the day, in 1054 AD, a star not far from Earth ran out of petrol or gas, whatever you want to call it, and it blew up and created an incredible supernova. Now, it was 6,500 light years away and the, uh, the effect of that explosion was clearly visible over the, you know, from Earth for uh, something like 23 days and several nights. Now, in Europe which was at the time under the control of the Byzantine Emperor Constantine IX and the Christian Church, the big explosion in the sky was never mentioned, and you've got to wonder why. Well, Brandon Hall has been a senior writer at Live Science for the last five or six years and formerly a staff writer and editor at Reader's Digest magazine. Uh, He enjoys writing most about space geoscience and the mysteries of the universe. And while the Chinese were very clearly excited by the explosion of SN1054, otherwise known as the guest star, uh, sky watchers in Japan, Iraq and possibly the Americas recorded the explosion as well, the Europeans largely ignored it, which is very strange. However, it does look like they did recognise it in a very unusual way. They didn't ignore it. The church may have, the Christian church, but it looks like they they did, in fact, recognise the event through a very unexpected thing, a limited edition gold coin. Yep, a commemorative coin. <laughs> I mean, who'd have thought that back uh, in 1054 AD? But a study that's now been published in European Journal of Science and Theology says a team of researchers analysing a series of four Byzantine gold coins minted during the reign of Constantine the Ninth from 1042 to 1055. Three of the coins showed only one star, and the author of the study suggests that the fourth coin, which shows two bright stars framing an image of the emperor's head, may be a subtle uh, but possibly a depiction of supernova 1054. And by the way, the first known commemorative coin in history was actually minted by the Romans. Uh, one more thing before we wrap it up today. A team of astronomers at the University of Birmingham have announced that they have discovered two temperate rocky planets about 100 light years from Earth. Uh, the team includes astronomers from, as I said, the University of Birmingham. They detected planets orbiting LP890-9, which is a smaller cool star, Fonzie-like, and the star is called TOI4306 or Speculus 2. It's the second coolest star found to host planets in the TRAPPIST-1 system. It's a pretty rare discovery and it will be the subject of a soon-to-be-released publication in the journal Astronomy and Astrophysics. All right, we're almost done. Anything else before we wrap it all up for another day, Hayley? Yes, Andrew, 
If anyone would like to follow up on these stories, they can do that on the Spacenuts.io website and click on the Astronomy Daily tab. I also suggest that they subscribe to the newsletter because it's free. And while they visit the website, they can listen to Space Nuts with you and Professor Fred. Oh, and we encourage you to leave reviews of the Astronomy Daily podcast too. Yes, you can. It's a good idea. You can do that via your favourite podcast distributor, wherever you listen to us. Thanks, Hayley. We'll see you soon. Bye. This has been Andrew Dunkley and Hayley for Astronomy Daily. The Astronomy Daily Podcast with Andrew Dunkley.